Welcome to the Outpouring Orlando Sermon Podcast. We exist to help people grow in Christ, share the gospel, and serve the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Luke 10, verses 38 through 42, uh, it reads, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Amen. Amen. I want to use as a title for emphasis this morning, get to the good part. Get to the good part. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, our King, we are Standing in your presence, we are here to hear from you, Lord. Lord, I pray, as David says in Psalms 119, Lord, that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your law. Lord, many of us have come and um, we are indeed um, distracted with many things, but Lord, I pray that you would give us a sense of focus and deliver us from those things that are keeping us from hearing from you this morning. Lord, there's so many things that are happening in our individual lives, and so Lord, I I pray that your spirit would do the work that only your spirit can do uh, to give us eyes to see Christ today, to open our hearts to be receptive uh, to your word and to Uh, make it effective in us, that it would bring forth much fruit in our lives. Oh, Lord, I pray today that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Get to the good part get to the good part. If you're like me and you have uh, a favorite meal, sometimes um, the side dishes of that meal can, can, can be the things that you eat first because you want to save the, the best for last. Anybody ever done that? You want to get to the good part. Uh, uh, you may have a favorite movie that you've watched over and over and over, and you love it so much that sometimes you skip through certain scenes because you just want to get to the good part. Um, You have a favorite song, and that's your jam, and when it comes on, you get in the zone, and you 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 just vibe with the music. And you have a favorite part of this song that that you love so much because to you, that song or that part specifically of the song is the good part. Um, We have apps that we download on our phones that tell us um, 
the good spots or the good uh, places to visit and to, to go. And in everything we do, um, we desire good things because we're designed by the good, good Father. We have one who has created us with a desire for good. And in fact, I believe the overwhelming majority of the people who uh, live on the face of this earth uh, desire uh, good things for themselves and for those that they, they love. This is one of the things that, that bind us together as, as a human race. It's, it's one of the things that, that binds us together with, uh, to the core, if you will, of, of, of humanity. Things is something that, that, that we all desire. Listen, uh, there's not uh, a big uh, and deep uh, theological uh, point to this sermon. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, if you want to break it down, if you're writing notes, uh, the, the, the thing that we see in this passage is simply this. Choosing Jesus to choose the good part of life. Choosing Jesus is to choose the good part of life. In fact, it's the best part of life. And many of us go through our lives thinking that we know what's good for us. We think we know what is going to bring us ultimate satisfaction. We think we know what's going to give us what we desire. All of us uh, desire to be fully known and fully loved, to be fully accepted. And, and, and we seek though, uh, that, 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 that satisfaction in things, and oftentimes we're doing that by going around God. Only to, to find that, that our pursuit left us longing for more. Man, we just want the good part of life. And in our passage today, we see two uh, women who are encountering Jesus, who both have relationship with Jesus, but their response to him are two entirely different responses to Jesus. And, and in the course of our time together, I just want to unpack how we get to the good part how we get to the good part. We can observe uh, these two women's responses to Jesus and see some, some different ways in which they um, encounter him that will help us get to, to the good part. Verse 38 says that as they were, went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Martha who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Jesus is, is traveling, and, and they enter into this town called Bethany where Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus live. And Jesus had a very special relationship with this family, uh, such that we see um, him in John 11, when Lazarus dies and passes away, he goes to grieve with the family. 
And not only does he go to grieve with the family, he, he's there at the grave site, and, 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 and in that time, he is overcome with grief at the loss of his friend. And we read that famous short passage in all of Scripture, Jesus well. And Jesus is moved with compassion. He's moved with grief, uh, um, not just for, for Lazarus, his, his sake, the sake of his friend, but the reality of what sin has done to bring about death into the world to cause this type of separation, to cause this type of, 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 of death in the world. And Jesus is there ministering to this family. And they, they, these sisters have such a relationship with him that, that Martha uh, greets him. And she says, Lord, if you had come sooner, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. And on and on. If you know the story, it's in John 11. I'll spare you the, 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 the full length of the story. But ultimately, Jesus... Raises Lazarus from the dead, uh, revealing and showing his power over death. And it's interesting that Martha, this, this woman, she is described as the one who welcomes Jesus into her house. She's the, the hospitable one, the one who is going to. To, to, to worship through her service of hospitality and, and generosity. And so she, she lays it all out. Some of y'all know how to spread the, the table when you have guests and when you have company. Martha is that person. She wants everybody to, to be comfortable, and she wants everybody to enjoy and have a good time while they are gathered together. And it says that Mary, Martha welcomes into her house, but it says that her sister Mary is one who is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching. So Martha um, has, has welcomed him into her house, but Mary is not only welcomed him into the house, it appears that Mary, uh, Mary is one who has welcomed Jesus uh, into uh, her life, into her life. Uh, this is not the first place that we see uh, Mary at the feet of Jesus. She's at the feet of Jesus in John 11 when he comes to the gravesite of Lazarus. And, and, and then in chapter 12 of the Gospel of John, she's wiping Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. Mary is somehow or another always at the feet of Jesus. And when you welcome Jesus into your life, this is the posture that we are to have. Are we sitting at Jesus' feet? See, it's one thing to, to welcome Jesus into your home, and, and it's one thing to have Jesus as a, a, a guest in your home, but he, does he have a residence in your heart? Does he have a residence in your life? 
Because if that's the case, if Jesus has, has taken up residence in your heart and in your life, there is going to be a way in which we respond to him, we interact with him, and we communicate and commune with him. And so she welcomes him into the house, but it appears Mary is welcoming her, him by sitting at his feet, welcoming his teaching into her her life. Look what it says. It says that, that Martha was what? Distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted with much serving. She is uh, um, trying to get the meal prepared. She's trying to get everything uh, just right. And in her own way, she's thinking that she's doing things for Jesus that will uh, inevitably make Jesus happy. And this is the danger of, of, of doing things for Jesus is that oftentimes, like Martha, she can be in the same space as Jesus and be so consumed with doing for Jesus that she can miss Jesus entirely. He is in the house, but she's so distracted that she can't get the full measure of his presence. You know, sometimes we get so used to, 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 to doing church. Sometimes we get so used to serving in church. Sometimes we get so used to going through the motions of, of, of what church is that, that we can oftentimes think that our relationship is predicated on what we do for him as opposed to being with him. And no doubt, there is work involved in the mission of God. But any, any work that distracts you from God himself is, is, is something that needs to be reassessed. We need to, 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 to reassess our motives. We need to take spiritual inventory as, as to where we are and who we are. Because what can happen is that the distraction can lead us to think that, that we deserve something just because of what we've done. What, is, what does Martha do? She, she, she goes uh, to Jesus. She doesn't go to Mary. She goes to Jesus. And she said, Lord, you don't see me doing all of this work? That's my, that's my translation. <laughs> you don't see all I'm, I got going on here? All these pots and pans uh, that's on the stove? Trying to get this gravy just right for these potatoes? Lord, don't you see? And then she asked, do you care? How many of us ask the Lord because 
we've become so accustomed to doing and getting that we become entitled to think that, that we ought to have things just because of what we've done. We try to manipulate the Lord into giving us what we think we deserve because of what we've done. And Martha is showing us what can happen in our attitude when the motivation of our ministry shifts. You see, it's nothing wrong with being hospitable. In fact, that's a characteristic of a genuine believer. There's nothing wrong with serving others. And that's a characteristic of a genuine believer. But when the motive becomes that I deserve because, as opposed to I'm doing this as a result of what Jesus has done for me, that's where the shift takes place. And it's very subtle. It's very subtle because you can start off with the right motives. You can start off with the right motives, and ultimately you can shift into thinking that you're owed something. And this is a, 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 a caution for all of us who, who find ourselves um, on this side of, of, of the cross, who have, who have um, believed on Christ and who have made him the Lord of our lives. We have to be careful that we don't try to to bend God's arm or manipulate God in ways to get him to serve our needs, our wants. And so she comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me alone to serve? And then she gets hostile. She starts to demand, tell her, well, tell Mary that I said she, she needs to get in here and help out. He says, tell her. She says, tell her then to help me. So, so, so here she is. She, she, at one point, she opens the door to welcome Jesus in. And in less than uh, an hour, if you will, she goes from hospitable to hospitable. Her whole demeanor changes. Sometimes when we are serving and we're doing things, quote, unquote, for the Lord, we start to look around at other folk and what they're not doing. And then we start to, to compare ourselves uh, by what they're not doing. Well, I was here to set up this morning. And I was here to get everything situated. Well, I'm here teaching this class. I'm here listening in the class. I'm doing all these things. They're not doing this. Lord, don't you care? Tell them to get over here and start doing this. So we start to lose focus on who we should be focused on, and Jesus is in the house. Yeah. Wow. 
Jesus is in the house. What he's called you to do is what he's called you to do. What he's called that other person to do is what he's called other, that other person to do. Listen, listen, you can't um, determine someone's spiritual status by your current status, where you are, because you don't know where they're at. God may have them at a different point, and you may be at a further point in one area. Who knows the areas that you need work on? She's losing focus. She's losing her focus. She's distracted with, with, with much serving, and in her distraction, she starts to develop uh, just anxiety and, 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 and worry, and, and she tells Jesus, Lord, don't you care? Now, it's funny because Jesus is the one who cares the most. He is the one who would come and lay down his life to just show how much it is he cares. And she thinks she's giving. She thinks she's serving. And she's uh, approaching Jesus like he doesn't understand what it means to give and what it means to serve. And Jesus... It's going to demonstrate, Romans says, his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he dies for us. And, and, and listen, this is towards people who don't even like him, who don't even want nothing to do with him. This is what he does for people. This is the extent Jesus goes to. He lays his life down. Jesus says, greater love has no man than this than one who would what? Lay down his life for his friend. But not only is Jesus going to lay down his life for his friend, he lays down his life for his enemies. And in that, he teaches us how we should treat those that are opposed to us. He shows us, he says, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. If you love only those who love you, what kind of love is that? And you might be saying, well, what's love got to do with it? But Jesus says love has everything to do with it, at least my love. God's love has everything to do with it because God's love doesn't just treat those who treat us well, rightly. It treats those who treat us wrong, rightly. And Martha is come with angst and concern to where she approaches the Lord. And it's funny, she calls him Lord. She calls him Lord, the, 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 the one who is uh, above, the one who is ruler, the one who is supreme. She calls him Lord. 
she says her words, but Jesus responds and he tells her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Jesus, he does not respond in the, the, the way that, that Martha wanted him to respond. She, she wants Jesus to get on Mary's case. She wants Jesus to do her bad work. She wants Jesus to handle her lightweight, if you will. She wants Jesus to operate like she wants Jesus to operate. She wants Jesus to be her Lord in the way she wants him to be her Lord. She wants Jesus to do things for her, submitting to her instead of her submitting to Jesus. And Jesus addresses her. Addresses her by name. Because they're in relationship. And he wants her to see his concern and his care for her. And so he says, Martha, Martha. And he pinpoints the problem with Martha in this scenario, in this situation. He says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. My, my, my. Don't that sound like us? Ryan, Ryan, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. Destiny, destiny, you are anxious and you're troubled about many things. Whatever your name is, insert your name there because I'm sure you've been troubled and anxious about many things. That's the world that we live in. The, 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 the world that we live in is probably the most anxious age that we've ever lived in. The amount of people dealing with anxiety and depression and that's consumed with fear and worry and doubt, we've never seen anything like it. And if Jesus were, were here today, in our midst, he'd probably say, listen, you're anxious and you're worried and you're troubled about many things. But, praise God, one thing is necessary. What's the one thing that's, that's necessary for me to overcome this anxiousness, this restlessness? this trouble, this worry, this doubt, this fear. And God bless those in the, the medical field. Praise God for all the advancements in medicine. We're always going to advocate for you to get help medically if that's necessary, if that's the one thing that's necessary. But there are some things that medicine just won't fix. 
And we've been taught here in the West that if there's, if there's a, 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 a physical problem or, 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 or psychological problem, then we have to diagnose it medically and give uh, medical treatments for it. But what if the medical treatments don't work? Then what? Jesus says one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. This is the good part. The good part, Mary finds herself at the feet of Jesus. You see, where, where, where medicine isn't able to, to cure, Jesus is able to cure. He has been given all power in heaven and on earth. He's demonstrated his power over the heavens and in the earth. And he showed just how much he cares for his people. And this is the choice that Mary makes. She knows that, 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 that while he's here, I'm going to be with him. While he's in our presence, I just want to get in his presence. While he's sitting in this living room, I just want to be at his feet. I just want to hear his word. So often we can come into the presence of Jesus with so much on our minds, so much going on in our lives, and, 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 and we can come and leave and, and go back into our week dealing with the same issues, dealing with the same problems. And, 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 and before we uh, put words in my mouth, what I'm not saying is that if you are in Christ, you're not going to suffer. What I'm not saying is that if you're in Christ, everything is going to just be, uh, you know, lollipops and roses. No, we know that there's a very uh, real presence of sin at work in this world. There's a very real um, um, spiritual enemy who is after our souls. Jesus says in John 10 that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But what does Jesus say in response to that? He says, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. That you may have life and life abundantly. In other words, that you may have the good life. The good life that, 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 that is not uh, predicated on the amount of stuff that I consume. The good life that, that can be content in having little and having much. The good life that, that is able to have joy despite unfavorable circumstances. That's the life that Jesus has come to offer us. And he came to, to not only offer it to us, but to purchase it for us. And so Martha is consumed with this 
doing and this serving that, 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 that she can't see that right now the one thing that's necessary is abiding. Jesus says that if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will what? Bear much fruit. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Hey, listen, uh, do all you can for the glory of God. Work as unto the Lord. Be obedient in, in, in making uh, disciples. But here's the thing. You need to, to, to get in God's presence. You need to get in God's word. Listen, Martha was consumed with the meal that she was ready to give Jesus. And here Jesus is giving a meal of his word. She's missing the best part of the meal. What she's got prepared is just a little sides compared to what Jesus is giving. There's no substitute for the word of God. There's no, there's no substitute for the basic things of, of prayer and silence and solitude and meditating on the word. People want magical formulas, and sometimes we just need to sit in his presence, turn off the apps, silence the cell phones, Get free of the distractions and everything that is taking our focus off of Jesus because he's in the room. In the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, one of the comments or quotes in that book says that since the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And have you found that to be true? I just don't have time to, to get into the word this morning. So you go and you go and you go. I'll get to it later when I get home. And, and by the time you get home, you're so tired, you don't even have time to, to keep your eyes open for the word. And so this word for us this morning causes us to look at our lives and evaluate what it is that we are holding dear, what it is that we are doing for God that's causing us to lose out on our relationship with him by abiding with him. The work that he's called us to must be preceded by time with him. And You can't do God's work God's way Absent of God's power. And so you need God in order to do what God is calling you to do. So often, because of what our culture um, holds up as valuable, as worthy, as good, even those of us who are... Um, Believers can find ourselves attracted to those things. We can become consumed with getting those things. And it causes us to see what Jesus has for us as less than. And so 
yeah, we, we come to church, but I need, I need Sunday church, but I also need uh, Monday Netflix. Tuesday Prime Video. And Wednesday HBO. And on and on and on. We got to have these other things. And, it, and it, what it really communicates is that, that we're not satisfied with Jesus at the end of the day. David says in, in Psalms, one thing I've desired of the Lord, and this is what I'm seeking after, that I would gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. David had one thing and one focus that he was after, and that was God's presence. God's presence was the thing that he was after. We're so caught up and consumed with these other things that we miss out on the very thing that we want, which is the good life. And the good life is only found in the life giver who is good, who desires to give his children good things, who has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ, who has overcome sin, death, and Satan who has given us life and life abundantly. But we, we are easily deceived into thinking that God doesn't want good for us. And so we go after lesser things. And we're consumed. I believe that Martha loves Jesus. I just believe she had a moment. And we can all have a moment. But for those of us who have not come to a place where we do have a relationship with Jesus, the reality is that there are real barriers that are blocking you from, from seeing him as the good thing, the good portion, the best part of life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 4, verse 3 and 4, he says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. That means if the gospel is covered or hidden from you, that's because you're of those who are perishing. In their case... That's those who are perishing. The God of this world, that is Satan, has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Those of you who have not come to a place where, where Jesus is your Lord and your king and your master and, and, and the one who uh, you are in uh, genuine relationship with, it's because the God of this world is blinding your eyes from seeing that you desperately need him and you desperately need him. 
Why do you desperately need him? Because those of us who are apart from God stand as objects of wrath to God. We are helplessly in need because of sin. Sin that separates us and causes death. That permeates the human race and the human condition and causes us to be blinded to the things of God so that we cannot see Jesus as somebody we need to be in relationship with. And so sin causes us to not see Jesus as the good part. And so we are consumed with trying to fill our lives with things that we deem good in order that we might feel satisfied. But here it is. Jesus is the only one who can fully satisfy you. He's the only one that can give you what you are looking for. Apart from him, you can do nothing. It's important for you to submit and surrender from trying to do things to get God to love you and rest in what Jesus has done for you and believe in him by faith because to all who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. That's the the appeal to you this morning. Those of you who have not surrendered your life to Jesus, you're missing out on the good part. Those of us who have surrendered to to Jesus, we, we have to be careful that we don't slide into a legalistic approach to trying to appease God in order to get from God. But we need to abide in Christ, dwell in Christ, knowing that our Father loves us. He can't love us any less because he can't love us anymore because his love was maxed out at Calvary for you and for me. Get to the good part. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If it was a blessing to you, please consider visiting our website, outpouringorlando.com, to connect with us and to also give financial support. If you are ever in the Orlando area, we would love to serve and worship with you. Have a wonderful week.